You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning. It's great to see you. You probably heard about the lady who was trying to get her husband up to go to church on Sunday morning, and he didn't want to go to church, and she kept saying, no, you got to get up and go, and he goes, the services are boring, I don't want to go, and she goes, no, come on, and he goes, I don't have any friends, nobody likes me there, and she says, you got to get up and go to church. He says, why do I have to get up and go to church? And she says, because you're the pastor, so get up, let's go to church. (laughs) I want you to know I never feel that way about coming here. In fact, uh, after being gone last week, I'm really excited to be here this morning to share God's Word with you, and it's one of those kind of full days, so you've been hearing announcements about Not only are we together this morning, but tonight at 6, we have missionaries Charlie Carney and Barry. Charlie was a young teenage girl in my youth group, although I don't look cool enough to have ever been a youth pastor. I was at one time, and she was in my church, and I've known her for years. They're missionaries to South America. They'll be with us at 6 o'clock in the atrium. Hope you can come and hear them. Then at 7.30, be at the ball fields for the staff versus senior uh, softball tournament. Wednesday night, you heard earlier in the announcements, we're having a prayer service. Here's, I'm almost falling over. Here's why that service is important. And that is that we're going to be taking time to pray for all the students headed back to school. So I'm not exaggerating. At the end of that service, there'll be maybe four or 500 students kneeling all over the front of the church. And we will be praying over them as they go back to school. It'll be a great night. People say to me, who have not been to one of the prayer services... Before I came to one of those services, I didn't know that I would want to come. Now that I've been, I don't know that I will ever miss one of those. And so that's this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. So when you think about that, worshiping together today, being together tonight, praying together on Wednesday, we're functioning as what Paul would call the body of Christ. So think it with me for a minute, okay? Here's what he says. He says, as your body, your physical body, so I stand before you with my physical body, right? As your body has many members, he says. So coming out of my trunk, I've got arms, I've got legs, I've got, you know, hands and fingers, I've got feet and toes, I've got ears, I've got eyes, I've got a nose, I've got a mouth. All of these members of my body, they all have different functions. They serve different roles, right? Perform different tasks. So Paul says, just as your body has many members, you, he says, are members of the body of Christ. Pretty neat, huh? So just as your body has all of these members, you got a hand, that's one of your members. He says, you are members of Christ's body. And so you have different tasks that you perform and different functions and different roles that you play. Everybody is important. Everybody needs everybody else. And everybody's got to be looking at everybody, looking after everybody else because we all matter. And so I hope this morning in the time that we have together, I can encourage you a bit and, and I think challenge you a bit to understand that you belong Because you are a member of the body of Christ and you are gifted as a member of the body. So let me take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You want to open a Bible with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? And I'm going to start reading with verse 12. Before I read that, let me talk to you a little bit about Corinth, okay, and the church there. 
I had this friend whose name is Monty, and he called me uh, not long ago, and he said, I'm going to be in your town for like half a day. Could we get breakfast? And I said, sure. And so we haven't seen each other but a couple of times since seminary days. And so we sat down at breakfast together just to kind of catch up. And we talked about how different our paths have taken us, God has taken us in our journey, both prepared for ministry, but both did very different things. And so when I left seminary, I I worked on staff at a church in Kansas City for a couple of years, and, and then I went to Tennessee to pastor a couple of churches, and then to Ohio, and then to here. So when he graduated from seminary, he worked on the same staff for a couple of years, and then he goes to South Africa. And he spends years and years in South Africa as a missionary. Now think about it, okay? He leaves everything that's comfortable to him. Everything that's familiar. I mean, I'm talking about language and culture. Everything that's familiar. And he goes to another part of the world, another continent, to share Jesus with people. So there's a guy in the Bible whose name is Paul. And we know a lot about Paul because he's talked about in the book of Acts, but we also know a lot about him because of the 27 books in the New Testament, he writes 13 of them. And Paul was the first missionary. The first guy to leave what was comfortable and familiar to go to another place, another culture where another language is spoken to talk to people about Jesus. And so, in about A.D. 50, okay, He finds himself in a city called Corinth. And he spends 18 months in Corinth. Corinth. And things go well for him while he's there. He has a lot of people who become Christ followers. And what he does is he goes places, he had this strategy, and he would talk to people about Jesus, and and they would become followers of Christ. And so we even know some of their names, like uh, Priscilla and Aquila and Titus Justus and Crispus and Gaius. When he leaves Corinth, he leaves the largest Christian congregation that exists at that time. So things went really well. And he leaves that congregation in the hands of a guy named Apollos. And Apollos is now going to pastor that congregation. Corinth was a uh, flourishing city. Commerce was doing really well. Uh, There was a seaport... Plus, there was lots of land traffic. And so trade was really high. It was also one of the most immoral cities of the ancient world. And there's lots of reasons why. And so, three years, the church has been in existence. But it's not doing so well. People are not maturing spiritually. And one of the reasons they're not maturing spiritually is because that they struggle to separate themselves from this sinful society all around them. And so Paul writes a letter, this letter, the one I'm going to read to you in a moment. And he begins to really talk about the sin that's polluting the church. And he also talks about carnal divisions in the church. I mean, they were fighting like crazy. It wasn't very Christian. And he basically says, you've got to stop doing this. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 10, he says, I appeal to you to agree with one another. Agree on something, for heaven's sakes. 
There should be no divisions among you. No divisions. You guys are fighting like crazy. And you're divided. You've got to get together. And so really what we're talking about this morning in chapter 12 is this issue of division versus unity in the body of Christ. So let me take you to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians beginning with verse 12. Okay, you ready? Put the words on the screen. Here we go. So he says, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its members, or rather all of its many parts, form one body. So, so it is with Christ. So, you've got a body, many members, many parts, one body. Same thing with Jesus, he says, okay? For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles or slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many parts, right? Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. See, I would rather be a hand. Feet are smelly. Feet are down there. Everybody else is up here. So, if the foot should say, I don't want to be a foot. I want to be a hand. And because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Paul says, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, man, an eye is amazing. Think about what an eye lets in the body. I mean, an eye is intricate. I mean, an eye is an incredible design of God. So if, you know, the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, to stop being part of the body either. So if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Or if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just, wow, did you, are you hearing this? Just as what? Just as He wanted them to be. Are you telling me that God has gifted you and placed you just where He wants you to be? Now, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are... Many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We can't do without them. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. God has put the body together. Make no mistake. This is what God has done. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed you in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, guidance, different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all of you prophets? Are all of you teachers? Are all of you people who do works of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And the obvious answer is no. We all have different gifts. 
So God's blessing, we pray on his word. Amen? Amen. You ever put together a puzzle? You, ever, you like that? Putting together? Like, like, would you love to sit down on a snowy day with a 5,000 word, not word, but piece puzzle to put together? Would you love that? I, I, it's not me, I can't do it. It's like if I try to start doing that, I'm just like, there's a bird. You know, I, I just can't, I can't stay with it. I get this piece of puzzle in my hand, and to me it looks like it fits nowhere, and then again it looks like it fits everywhere, and I just can't. I, I, I wonder this, okay? Do you ever, when you think about being a member of the body of Christ, liken yourself to a puzzle piece? Do you, do you ever honestly sometimes ask yourselves, yourself rather, I don't know that I fit. Some days I don't feel like I belong. Sometimes I'm not for sure there's a place that requires my shape. I mean, I know I love Jesus, and I know I want to follow Him, and I want to be a Christian. But when it comes to the body, sometimes I see other people and they have all of these things they can do and they make great contributions and I don't feel like I have that and I don't know that I really fit sometimes. Paul says, if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong, it doesn't mean the foot doesn't belong. It just means the foot has a different role that it plays. So here's what's going on in the first 12 verses, or 11 verses of 1 Corinthians 12. Paul is talking about gifts of the Spirit, okay? And so let me summarize what he says about the gifts of the Spirit. I'll make three statements, and then that's all I'll say about it, okay? The first thing that he says about the gifts of the Spirit is this. There are different kinds of gifts. So Lewis has gifts that I don't have. I have gifts that Lewis doesn't have. Why do we have different gifts? Because there are different kinds of gifts. In other words, everybody doesn't have the same gifts and there are different kinds of gifts. There are many gifts. The second thing that he says is this. All the gifts are given by the same Spirit. Now that's important. The Spirit gave you your gifts. The Spirit determines what gifts you get. And the third thing that he says is this, that all the gifts are given to contribute to the well-being of the whole body. We need each other. I have a friend. His name is David, and he travels basically for a living. And we went on a trip with him a while back. And it was amazing to me what they brought for the trip, okay? He and his wife show up, and they're going to get on a plane, and here's what they've got. They're going to be gone for eight days. You ready? Here's what they've got. they got a small backpack on their back and a carry-on. Eight days. I mean, Annette and I, we got so much junk, we had to get one of those carts to drag it around, you know. Eight days. And we're like, that's all you brought. And they go, yeah, we, we, we've kind of learned how to pack. And, and it's kind of crazy when you, when you get with them because we go to a really nice dinner where you need to dress up and they come out looking incredible they're all where'd you get those clothes you didn't have them in a bag surely and then you go to the gym to work out and they got workout clothes and they got all kinds of shoes and if anybody forgets anything anybody have sunscreen yeah we got it we got it in our bag of course no clippers yeah we'll let you borrow those too 
It's just like amazing. And they got this whole deal where they don't fold. You never fold. You always roll your clothes and you do it with plastic or something. I don't really get it. <laughs> oh, when you travel like we do, you don't ever want to check baggage. You just take it in an overnight, you know. One carry-on. And what they're saying is that we're going on a trip, okay? We're going on a journey. And we're going to make sure that we got everything we need in this little bag for a journey. And you're going to love this, okay? Look at me. You ready for this? I'm serious. This is good stuff. God himself. This is what Paul is saying here. You ready? God himself packed your bag. And he has gifted you with every gift you need. For the journey. He has given you everything you need to do what He has called you to do. (laughs) So everything that God wants you to accomplish, He has packed your bag. He has given you everything you need to accomplish what it is that He wants you to accomplish in this life. You need to take peace in that. Here's what we do. We struggle to be content at that point. And what we do is we determine that somebody else has more gifts than I have and better gifts than I have. And why can't I have some of those gifts? Because if I had some of those gifts, then I could do some of this stuff. I could be really effective. But the Bible says that the Spirit determined the gifts that each one of us should have. And God decided which parts would be in the body. I have a friend whose name is Kevin, and I just wear him out all the time because he is so gifted. He was recruited to play pro baseball and did play baseball. He's a pastor now. He can sing like crazy. I mean, the guy has a voice that's unbelievable. He's got a great personality. He can just always tell him, Kevin, you're going to be judged more harshly than me because you have more gifts than I have. More is expected of you. And I look at his gifts, this long list, and I look at my gifts. And other than being good-looking and just a couple of others, my list, my list is kind of short. By your response, my list may be one shorter than I thought it was. But I just think, why did he get all of these gifts and I can do this and this? And Paul reminds me, hey, Rick Harvey, listen. You have been gifted by the Spirit. He packed your bag. Everything you need for the journey you have. And what gifts you need to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, you've already been given. What it is that God is expecting of you, you can do. Because He has gifted you to do it. Man, that's that's really... I mean, that's just good preaching right there. I I I think it's stuff we need to hear once in a while. Well... The church at Corinth does all this comparing and they're minimizing some gifts and saying other gifts are more important than other gifts and some gifts don't really matter much and some matter a whole lot. And so in doing so, people begin to feel like the others with the more sensational gifts, they get more credit and they're really, you know, better because they have better gifts. And we begin to feel inferior. We begin to compare And the Bible says there's one body, and guess what? You are a part of it. 
you are one of the members and you have a function and you have a task and you have a role. You know, um, I don't go places early, typically. Um, I, don't, I don't tend to run real late. I tend to get there on time and sometimes just shortly after on time. Just, I guess, actually that's late, but I don't... I don't usually get there late. Typically, I'm just kind of right, right there. And even on Sunday morning, um, you know, if you think I'm here like at 4.30 in the morning on Sunday, I'm not. I'm at home. At 4.30, I'm asleep. And, but I come when you come to church or maybe after some of you come. I don't, I don't get here early. Like, I think people are kind of shocked sometimes, like two minutes before church starts and I'm sprinting across the parking lot trying to get in the door. You do have to be careful. I've noticed this because... Uh, we all kind of live, it seems like some of us close, and you can't really ride people's bumper on the way to church because you're running late. Because then when you pull in the parking lot, it's like, oh, we go to the same church. <laughs> you know, you got to be careful with that one. But when I come to church on Sunday morning, I park out there because I'm always expecting a big crowd every Sunday. And, and I try to give more of the room for visitors up front. And I always catch one of the golf carts. Don't you love those guys who ride the golf carts? I ride him just to get to talk to those guys, especially the guy with the bunny ears. I don't, what, he's great. And so when I get always to the southwest entrance, there's these greeters there. And I love these guys. Every morning they're there. And they're always there to give me a hug or shake my hand or they'll say something funny to me. I enjoy meeting those guys every Sunday morning. And they're opening car doors and helping people out and getting worship folders passed out. I, I just love it. I stand up here to preach on Sunday morning. And did you know that what happens here for a period of like four hours requires an army, I mean an army of volunteers? Do you understand that? There are people holding babies and there are people teaching kids and there are people running the screens and people running sound and people doing all kinds of stuff and people making coffee and people cleaning up coffee and all that kind of stuff. Lots of volunteers and lots of those volunteers never stand here. And never hold a microphone in their hand. Never. And many of them serve. Nobody sees them serve. They're just back there putting communion trays together on the Sundays that we do communion. Nobody sees them do it. Nobody knows who does it. They just serve. And they never, never, never stand here. Front and center. Under the lights. (laughs) Never. Why, why do you think Paul talks about spiritual gifts and unity in the church in the same conversation? Why do you think he talks about spiritual gifts and unity in the church in the same conversation? Because this is not the only time that he does it. He also does it in Romans chapter 12 and he does it again in Ephesians chapter 4. Do you think it's because that sometimes people who have gifts that are less visible sometimes tend to feel inferior to people who have gifts that are more visible? Or switch that around. Do you think sometimes that people who have gifts that are more visible seem to sometimes feel superior to people who have gifts that are less visible? And do you think that maybe when Paul says that part about, you know... 
The foot cannot say, because I'm not a hand, I want to be up here. I don't want to be down here. Do you think he's talking to people who sometimes feel inferior because of their less visible gifts? And when he talks about the time when the eye cannot say to the ear, I don't need you, is he talking about people who feel superior because they have more visible gifts? And does that sometimes create division between us? I think it has that potential. The heart and soul of 1 Corinthians 12 through the end of the chapter is simply this. We need every member of the body. We all need each other. I I went to hear Dr. Henry Cloud speak not too long ago. I don't know if you hear him or read his books. He's quite an interesting guy. But he's telling a story about his brother-in-law who became a Navy SEAL. And he said, we spent hours and hours talking about what it was to be a Navy SEAL and talked about the training. And you go through all of this training and finally you come to the last week of training to be a Navy SEAL. Many of them do not make the last week. People have made it all along, get to the last week and that's when they check out. They can't do it. It pushes you physically, emotionally to the limits, beyond the limits of what's humanly sometimes possible. And he says, our very last task was that we were dropped in an ocean. And our, our task was to swim to shore. And when you hit the shore, you are a seal. And he said, my brother-in-law said, they give you a buddy. And you work together that last week. And he said, I'm swimming to shore. I'm not thinking there's any way I'm going to make that long of a swim. My body is completely and totally exhausted. There's no way I can do any more. It's been a week of hell. I don't think I can do any more. And I've got to swim all the way to shore. I'm out in the ocean. I start swimming. And he says he made it. And he thinks his buddy is by his side. But when he gets to the shore, his buddy's not there. And he says he begins to look. And he sees him. And he's done. He's completely done. His eyes are glazed over. He's losing consciousness. He's he's not swimming. He's just done. And he said his friend described it like this. I was swimming. And it was just like all of a sudden somebody just turned my whole body off. Just like a switch. Just, I'm swimming. And I just... I was just done. I just finished. And he said, my brother-in-law said, I screamed his name. And he sees me. And I pumped my fist. And I said, you can do it. And he said, my friend said, it was like somebody just turned the switch back on. And I swam again. And they both made it to shore. And Henry Cloud talks about We are wired. We are made. We are built. And he goes into how the brain functions and chemicals that are released, etc. And he talks about a baby who is not touched or held, does not develop properly. Like it or lump it. We need each other really bad. And when we work together, something transpires, even chemically in our bodies. 
Because of the way we were made, we depend on each other. And Paul is saying in this passage over and over again, let me tell you something, every member of the body is important. Because God has gifted every member. And you have a role and you have a function and you have a task. And God has made you in such a way that you are gifted to do what you were created to do and what God has designed for you to do. When you don't do your part, the whole body suffers. Annette and I went to Cincinnati last week to see our little granddaughter, Sadie. She's three and a half weeks old now. Man, it was awesome to see her. People keep saying, how's, how's your granddaughter? And I just say, she's, she's really short. Man, she, if you set her up, I'm talking... I mean, you just hold her like this. There's nothing to her. She's just a nugget. That's what we call her. So it's great getting to be with her and spend time with her. And while we were there, there's a family that we love who attended our church there who still does. And their little boy, Jace, is... He's six, baby? Jace is six. She is looking at... She's texting right now while I'm preaching and not even paying attention. How old is Jace? Is he six? I'm sorry, I'll probably... I'll be eating lunch alone today if anybody wants to take me with your family. <laughs> uh, and Jace, Jace has cancer. And he's fighting. And he had the last chemo treatment yesterday. And the goal is just that now he's going to recover from what chemo has done and he's going to be okay. That's the goal. You say, so what, what is it? He can't, he can't see? No, he, his eyes are good. He can see fine. Oh, he can't hear. No, no, no. His ears are great. He can hear great. Oh, okay. It's, it's that he can't talk. No, no. Jace can talk. Okay, it's his legs. He can't walk. No, no, no. He walks. Oh, okay. It's his arms. It's his hands. I don't... No, his hands and his arms are good. Well, then why don't he just get up and do life? Because all the parts are working, Right? When one member of the body suffers, Paul says the whole body suffers. You know what blows my mind? When I get something in my eye, I get something in my eye and I'm incapacitated. I'm like, oh, I can't, I got something in my eye, I can't even walk. You know, I can't do anything. I got something in my eye. (laughs) One member of the body suffers, the whole body suffers, right? Paul says we got to care for each other. You understand that if I broke my hand, it's going to affect everything And if you are broken, if you are broken and I know it, I'm going to pray for you. Because you're a member of the body. And I want you well and functioning. I'll do this and I'll stop. But I got to play golf this week. And I got this sermon on my mind because I always got a sermon on my mind. And so I got to thinking about playing golf. And I got to thinking about, you know, I love this game. I... If you played with me, you would say, why does he love the game so much? I don't get it, but <laughs> I love just staying with a golf club. I've, I'm just going to bring one to work and just stand with it all the time. I like the way I look over <laughs> the golf club, you know. But I love this game, and you think about, I got to thinking about this game, and what do I need, what members of my body do I need functioning to swing a golf club, okay? And so I begin to think, well, I need my feet for sure. I've got to stand on something, and I need my ankles, of course, and my legs and my calves and my knees and my hips and my thighs 
I need the back muscles. I got to have my hands. I've got to have my eyes, my arms, my shoulders, etc. To do to do this right here. That was a thing of beauty right there. That was that was a little better. But to do that, to do that, I got to have all the members functioning. And when you think about it, the body of Christ is like that. So I know it's been really simple. I've only said a few things, but I'm just repeating what Paul says. Every member is important because God has gifted every member. He decided what gifts you would get. And you're equipped to do what he's called you to do. Every member needs each other. That's the second thing. Every member needs each other. Can't swing a golf club if I lose my arms, right? And the last thing is, that every member has to care for each other. When one member suffers, the other members hurt. That's it. So you probably hear what I'm saying, but I'm going to say it really clear. You belong. Not because I said you belong, because God says you belong. I put you here. I gifted you. You are a member of my body. And all the other members need you. And you're significant and you're important. And when you hurt, and when you don't function, we all hurt. You belong. So why don't we pray together before we go? Would that be good? Kyle, you guys going to come up? Would you do that? You want to stand with me? Sometimes I wonder... If you ever think when we get to this part of the service, he's going to do that deal where he gives a lot of invitation. And people can come for almost any reason to pray. And it's okay, I'll wait till that's all done. Let, let, let me challenge you today, though. You know, what are you going to do today that's really important? What's the most important thing you'll do today? What if the most important thing you'll do today you do in the next four minutes? And that is talk to God. What if you take advantage of this time and you pray today? You don't have to pray here if you don't want to. You can pray where you are. You can sit down and pray. You can stand there and pray. But what if today you took some time to pray? And you had a real honest conversation with God about, sometimes I don't know if I fit. Sometimes I don't know if I belong. Sometimes I don't know if there's a place that requires my shape. If you want to be anointed for healing, you can, you can do that today. There'll be a pastor here and there'll be a pastor here. If you want somebody to pray for you, they'll do that. If you want to become a Christ follower, if you want to be born again, if you want a radical transformation in your life this morning, you can experience that. If you just want to come and give praise or if you're going through a hard time and you want to come and pray about the hard time. Or if you want to say, Lord, show me where I belong. How have you gifted me? How do you want to use me? Because God has already gifted you. He determined which gifts you would get. So we're going to sing, and if you want to pray this morning, you're free to do so, okay? Let's sing. I am adopted, a child of the King, never abandoned. He's carried. Sometimes through valleys, through fire, 
Through fire and through flood I'm yours, I've been ransomed Bought by the blood I belong to you I belong, I belong I am yours, you are mine Who is lost will be found I belong This is my story song Sing me praise to the King of my heart Lord I bring I belong We are We are a family From east to west Brothers and sisters Daughters and sons Stronger than pray for you, okay, before we go. Thank you, Lord, speaking to us through your word this morning. Let us give ourselves to your word as students of your word and let us go back through this week and remember what we've heard this morning and what we've read in your scripture. Let it sink deep into our hearts, Lord, and let it change how we think and how we act and live. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Leave quietly as you go, okay? God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.